Well, hopefully Wendy will join since we're talking about her book. Well, I think we should just go ahead and start, really. <laughs> just trash it. <laughs> what was she thinking? <laughs> I was I was wondering is how how yeah, how uh given that she's a friend, like how uh how much constructive feedback. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we'll call it. What, wow. On page 227, what were you thinking? <laughs> it's just wrong. <laughs> so do you think next time when you do this, you'll have an editor? Yeah. <laughs> Recall message. <laughs> Wendy's getting spicy on the, on the, the group chat channel there. Too, too bad that couldn't be in the recording somehow. Yeah, well, who knows? Maybe it could be. <laughs> I'll flash it up on the screen. That's awesome. It's oh, awesome. Well, before you joined, we were trashing your book. Um, you were? <laughs> I hope so. I'll listen to it later on the yeah. recording. <laughs> awesome. Phil, Phil wanted to know if for your next book, you might con consider using an editor of any sort. And then. Phil, <laughs> is this true? I, would, I, would, so I, I thought even spell check would be cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's lovely. Do we get oh. to ask why we didn't get asked to blurb it? Is that part of the questions? Like, <laughs> I blurbed Lockhart's book, but you, you did know, blurb my Wendy, book. Yeah. Wendy, do, do, do it, it, it did hurt. When I saw Paul Price and a couple of other people. I recognize. I'm like, oh, oh, one day, one F day, that one day, guy. Wendy, what's that all about? Oh my god! But you know what is interesting? So <laughs> I, I definitely knew you guys then, but I didn't know you the same way as now. Yeah. Well. I like that. You know, without saying it, she implied, she implied that maybe she would do it now. But really what she's saying is, oh, my God, I am so glad I've managed now to that I know that. That is not true. You guys, that is not true. I can't even say that. I'll have to write another book just so I can put the right people. No, careful, Wendy. I've got the goods on you here. Right? I love it. Yeah. You have the goods on me. Yeah. Really? You've got to check the WhatsApp uh, oh, chat channel. Yeah. I went and looked just because, you know, Wendy's like working, a, working it. I, now we know what she was up to. I thought she'd come out of another meeting, but now, no. but now we know what she was. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so great. That's so funny. Uh, cancel, cancel, Welcome to another episode of Consultants Saying Things. I am Chris Lockhart, joined today by Phil Yanoff, Oliver Cronk, and Wendy Keene. And we are doing a very special episode because our very own Wendy Keene has written and published a book that is um, 
making waves and it's all over the place. Um, and we are going to do a live unboxing of the book and then ask some really pointed questions about it. So I have it, I have it right here. Um, and before I ask you to uh, talk a little bit about it, I'm just going to, going to open uh, the book from my Amazon package and, uh, Oh, Oh, wait, what's this? Oh, it's the people problem by Chris Lockhart. <laughs> you can pick one up and, 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 and there, look, it's all over the place. Gosh, I wonder how they made that mistake. Uh, but no, we actually do have a uh, strategy to reality. Uh, Oliver, I believe you've, you've got one too. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just getting rid of the packaging here. Oh yeah. Packaging. Fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah, here we go. Here yeah, we go. There we go. Great. Look what. Yeah. Excellent. Mine's on a Kindle. So yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Oliver's is in British and uh, mine is in um, Southern American. So that's uh, multiple, multiple versions of the book. Uh, Wendy, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book? Um, I'm sure you, you're sick and tired of um, all the press junkets and given the, the little marketing pitch, but what's, what's the marketing pitch on this? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it's um, first casts a new vision for strategy to execution, cohesive end-to-end -end teams working together and what that can look like when enabled by business architecture. So business architecture plays a unique role to inform and translate strategy as well as sort of serve as the scaffolding from end-to-end -to, -end to help align everybody. But the heart of the book is really the what, the why, and the how of this thing called business architecture and how organizations can build a strategic function to do business architecture to underpin strategy transformation and other things. Interesting. So are, did you did you lay it out in your mind as sort of um, sort of a, a prescription or like a playbook? Or um, do you think of it as more of uh, maybe maybe more philosophical in some respect than that? Oh, good question. I would say it's more of a, um, it's more of a playbook. It's, you know, when you first look at it, you might think this is really theoretical and philosophical. And yes, there is that. But I really tried to boil down many years, I won't say how many now, of actually practicing this discipline across the globe and helping organizations really succeed with it. So um, I tried to absolutely bake in more of the playbook um, than just the theory. I think that's good, right? Practical and, and execute. Well, you, it's, it's strategy to reality, right? Not strategy to more strategy. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Oliver, Bill, questions? That was it. Thank you, everybody. That's it. It's great. Wow. <laughs> Buy it on Amazon.com. <laughs> so, Wendy, I, I, I love it. I, um, I was nodding along violently in, 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 through a lot of it. And I think, the for me, it kind of breaks into three kind of pieces for me because I kind of read it over about three sort of sittings over the last few days. And I think the first half is just a really nice sort of summary of the sort of challenges and you know, where, where sort of business architecture can kind of help at a high level. And then I think, you're, yeah, the middle bit is kind of, you know, business architecture in more depth. But the bit I really loved you including, and I have to say, a bit, if, I, if, I was, if I was your editor, I would have moved it to the front, but that's because I'm, I, the, the bit at the end of talking about sustainability really spoke to me. So kind of, it's great to see that in there, but it almost feels like that could be maybe the next, the next follow-on book if you were going to write another book. Could that be the direction it takes? Because I really like that last section. It was like, ah, and you left me kind of wanting more, which is always good. It's always good to leave someone wanting more. But yeah, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on 
was that sort of deliberate a kind of that sort of or, or was sustainability just something you wanted to make sure you got in so you kind of put it at the end what was the sort of thinking there Ooh, I love it. P- part of what I was trying to do was cover off the burning things in people's minds, right? So chapter one is like, it's actually an overview of everything. And mm-hmm. I did that on purpose so that people could actually just executives or certain groups of people could just stop reading one and then explore the rest as they want. Um, so the sustainability in the bigger stuff is at the end, just because I thought it'd be more palatable to people that way after they had had a chance to digest more of the ideas. But anybody who knows me like you guys do, um, sustainability is my passion um, as our humanitarian. You know, how do we actually work together across organizational boundaries to achieve the UN sustainability development goals? And that's part of that last chapter as well, right? Really working together for the bigger, bigger goals. So um, I would say that's to leave people on a high note, and Oliver, I love your idea of the next book because, you know, really digging into how do we use business architecture to underpin some of the most important things we're doing and challenges of our time. That's the opportunity, right? That's the opportunity. You're taking it beyond like the corporate and government transformations and making it to changing the world. And I think that's really important. Because if there's one that I, I would have liked to have seen maybe a bit more is like the ecosystem piece. So I feel like maybe that second second one talks to that ecosystem of where you sit as a as a business organization and yeah so look maybe, maybe there's maybe there's an opportunity to collaborate on that one. <laughs> I love it. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Indeed. Indeed. Well, that was actually that was actually one of the things I, I keyed in on Oliver right because we've talked before about you know there are great ideas right and there are smart people and you can put those things together. But unless you know you're not operating on an island, right? You're not in a dark room, um, coming up with magic that you then bestow upon everybody. And the the whole bit there in the middle, um, uh, Wendy, about integrating right with the other teams, with the other disciplines within an organization, right? Because I have to be honest with you, as I was reading the whole thing, I'm like, you know, all of yes, I agree with everything. It was like, oh my gosh, it's like this was enterprise architecture, what I have always thought of as enterprise architecture. And so when you when you start going through that, it's like, well, how do I integrate with product development or sales and marketing or you know all of those other things that are beyond technology, right? And I think you've got a really good set of um, ideas in here, right, that people can use to to actually integrate with those other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't know if, if there was maybe one or two that you think are sort of the most important out of that. Love it. Yeah. Um, from from a business architecture perspective, strategy is a really big one. Um, I mean, they're all important, right? Strategy, IT architecture, customer experience, like you have to integrate with all of them. Um, but if I had to pick, I guess strategy and, and IT arc would be the top. Um, but But I love that you bring this up because... I feel like we're not successful. And by the way, the data tells us this. If we're practicing business architecture in a way that is not one, focused on value delivery and two, focused on integrating with, partnering with, and helping other people. So, um, and to me, this is what's missing on end-to-end strategy execution as well. It's how do all those teams work together from end-to-end to take idea into action? So, they're all important. And it's, you know, that the architecture through through skill and through knowledge base can knit almost everybody together, right? Wendy, I'm kind of curious as you're 
you know, they say that people write a book because it crystallizes their own thinking. It doesn't just help them pull the ideas so that they can give them to others, but it, it crystallizes your thinking so that you're ready to help other folks. I'm kind of curious, were there aha moments for you in this? I mean, what are the kind of some thoughts you said, man, these are some threads I really came out for me while I was writing the book. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I promise I will answer that question, but people ask me how long it took me to write this book. And I say the answer is 19 years, four years, or two months. And Phil, there's such a crystallization that happened for me. And it was in the four years that I wrote a blog series called Straight Talk. Some people might remember Business Architecture Straight Talk. So Twice a month for four years, I unpacked business architecture piece by piece and delivered it out there. And it was through that that I did all of that thinking and formalizing, right? So it took me four years to write the book. It took me 19 years if you looked at how long I've been actually you know, doing this work, or it took me two months if you look at the pen to paper when I actually sat down. So, so much crystallizing. Um, but I think when I when it came time to actually write the book, I found those ideas were now just flowing back through me because I already worked through them. That's part of why I could do it so quickly. I will tell you one of the big ahas I had, which is a little different direction than, than what you're asking, was the significance of what I was actually putting on paper. It felt like for me, a release of the years I had been teaching and forming and working with people that I never realized the book was going to do that. I was just going to write this because I had to write this book and that made sense next. But I, I don't want to say a legacy, but I was really writing down sort of what I felt could help the world or people that want to practice in this field. That was one of the biggest ahas for me. Yeah. I got to imagine some part of it was also... Your, your your experience over all that time with people not knowing what business architecture is or how it can help them. And we've talked about that before, right, on this podcast. Um, and I got to feel like some of it was probably cathartic, right? Which is like, you know, I, I find I, I can get it all out, right? This is like, this is what it is. Um, this is how it works. This is how you do it, right? I don't know. Uh, cathartic is exactly the right word. Uh, definitely cathartic. And 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 you are right. Having to explain these things again and again to different audiences, seeing what lands, seeing what doesn't. It worked with this audience, this audience, it did not work. It's almost like every word I write it, with the book, too, not just like, you know, the years before that, every word I write. I'm literally going through two or three or more perspectives in my mind. What would so-and-so think? What would the strategist think? What would this leader think? So indeed, there's a very honed perspective to even put those words down and cathartic to put them down. And, and honestly, my hope too was that other business architects who are looking for those words, and I'm not saying they're the perfect words, but they're a set of words that you know work and they work for me. If other people could use this book to either get some words or ideas or give it to other people so that their socialization could be a little bit easier, then I feel like I've done a little bit of my job. Yeah. And I think it's very accessible to them, right? Because the, the way you've laid it out is in chunks, right? You know, when you talk about um, you know, what, what is business architecture, right? And there's some of that, right? It's like, it's, it's this, it's this, it's this, right? It's very digestible, I guess. Yeah. 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 I, I love the way you put that. And it kind of leads me to this question of, 
you know, you had some ideal readers, right? There were folks that you wanted to touch in there. Um, now, you know, generalize that for someone who doesn't know you. Maybe they didn't come to you through the blog or something like that. It's like, what are those avatars, if you will, or personas of folks who said, you know what? I feel like I'm talking to this cat. I'm hoping they're going to read this book. Ooh, yeah. You know what? Um, those cats would be. So taking the the usual suspects of the architects out of it, it's the it's the leaders or the practitioners in any role, business or technology, that is feeling like there's some gaps in the enterprise perspective. You know, they may see symptoms like, I know this portfolio of work we're doing over here. I know it doesn't exactly lead back to the strategy, right? Or um, I know we're just about to build the sixth system for the same capability, but we're doing it for politics. And I see that and I care about that from the enterprise perspective, but I can't get other people to realize that. And the organizational inertia is, is just overcoming that. So it's the people that I think strive for more in bridging strategy and execution and bringing an enterprise perspective to decision-making and in, in, in organizational design, business and technology with intent and with agility. So, you know, you had a chance to meet a few people and I don't know if they all came to you because they were already friends or they'd read the blog or they knew who you were. I mean, any surprise readers anybody anybody surprise ahas or someone come back to you and say and say and said i had no idea this cat was reading me or i had no idea that this kind of person might find this interesting or useful yes and this is the sort of magic of the universe i think in this process entrepreneurs surprised me really surprised me even to the extent that like they were coming to the book launch for signing like I thought the way I casted this book, because of course, business architecture applies to startups and nonprofits, and I've worked a lot in those contexts, but I, I sort of angled this book towards the bigger the bigger context of larger organizations. So I was really surprised how much the, those ideas resonated with some, um, some startup people. Um, also, I was pleasantly surprised at how much it resonates with certain transformational leaders. Um, and CIOs, uh, a lot, lot more on the CIO. I mean, I shouldn't be too surprised, but there, there was just more of an uptick from the leadership perspective uh, than I thought there even would be. I would say I dreamed and hoped, but I didn't really know if it was going to resonate. Do you know, <clears throat> there's two groups of people that I see getting a lot of value from the book. So there's someone actually, I, I, I just got to know from my, from my, from my new place, uh, and they're a business analyst. And I happen to mention business architecture. And they said, business architecture, what's that? I said, you definitely need the book. And the other group of people I think will be good is uh, technology architects who are taking on the enterprise architecture role. And for me, because I love the first bit you have in here about enterprise equals uh, business plus technology plus data plus application. It's that kind of, right, read this because this gives you all the portfolio management strategy uh other angles that you need to kind of and you know the the, the, the other pieces of the of the jigsaw in addition to technology you need to understand now you're stepping up into that broader role so for me that those are two groups of people i could see get and uh, i'm sure lots of different people get lots of value but for me when i was reading this i was thinking 
those are two groups that I would like, you know, I'm literally going to give give the book to the business analyst lady. And, and I recommend this to anyone who's thinking about what am I missing? Because I'm kind of a bit niche at the moment. How do I see the bigger picture? Love it. And it, of course, creates common language among those people. Everybody mm-hmm. doesn't have to love every word or yeah. agree with every concept, but it gives us a common foundation, like a new one to have conversations from and come come together around. Right on. So- you know, I think there's there's a lot of folks uh, out there that watch this or listen to it. I don't know why they'd listen. You should watch it. Everyone should watch it. Um, but, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I've talked to folks over the years and Phil, I know you have, I'm sure we all have. And they're like, you know, I should really, I should write something. You know, I should write a book. I should write uh, or do something, right? Or have a podcast or, or express my views or, or capture my views or have a dialogue about my views. How do you know? For for the cat out there, right, that might be thinking like, "Hey, I want to I want to capture some of this." What what led you to this? It was was it just like, "Well, I have all these blog posts; I should do something with them," or was it I'm, I'm looking to specifically solve a problem, or you know, I want the money and fame? Definitely not the latter. <laughs> None of that was expected. It, it's for sure contribution. Um, I will tell you, it feels like this book has been a long time coming for me. It feels like I should have written it a long time ago, but I couldn't have written the same book. You know, uh, you know, we are where we are, right? So it felt like this was inevitable and it kind of felt like finally the first one's done, you know, and so now let's think about some others. Um, but the the impetus for me writing this was, it was for sure a moment as I was writing the Straight Talk series. It was in the fall and I was got a glimmer that... I think I'm going to end this at 100 issues. And then I calculated that out and it was going to be May uh, 2021. And then I just decided, yep, that's and and I'll just do I'll just at the time I was going to do a FAQ uh, self-published, you know, 100, um, 100 FAQs with pictures like I usually did in straight talk. Um, so that was my idea. So first of all, the one takeaway is it came to me as a glimmer, like all of a sudden I had the insight. Um, but but beyond that, the contribution is huge. And for anyone who is thinking about writing something, I have two pieces of advice. One is don't go from zero to 60. Um, don't go from like, I have a bunch of ideas to I'm going to be a famous author tomorrow. That is a really hard journey. Um I think the way of starting to work through your thoughts, whether it's in white papers or podcasts or blog posts or whatever it is, start contributing because you're not only forming your thoughts, but you're getting other people's reactions to your thoughts. Um, and you're you're building a muscle. That's the other thing I didn't realize. I have built up so much writing muscle um, that it was easier for me. So I didn't have to overcome any of that. I could just flow right into it. So, so you know, just start doing it. Any contribution matters. And by the way, don't rob the world of your great thoughts until you write a masterpiece. So just do it. And the second part is, especially in today's world, anyone can self-publish and the universe will take care of the rest of the magic. I promise you, write that book. If you have a book to write, trust me, you have something to say and it will matter. And you're going to leave behind that little piece of you forever in this world. So just do it. Um, don't, don't, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. I think that's really great advice. I mean, I remember someone telling me one time years ago, it was like, you know, you've got to write, you've got to write stuff down, even if it's crap, 
right? You got to write. And I think, I think it was Jerry Seinfeld also said something similar about comedy. He has to write a joke a day and he would put an X through the calendar of the day, right? And that motivated him to write every day because without that muscle, you're right. You're not going to sit down and write War and Peace. Or I think the original title was War, What Is It Good For? Something like that, right? But you know, you're not going to... You're not going to write the masterpiece from start to finish. You're going to build it up over time. And, you know, I know in my own, uh, my own experience, it was, it was the process of doing that that led me to realize, ah, this is what, this is what the book's about. Right. I didn't know what, I didn't said start out like, this is the, this is what the book's about. I, I realized like all the stuff I was writing, oh my gosh, this is the theme. Right. And I thought it was a lot easier to compose something that way than, trying to sit down and say, you know, I'm going to write out a, you know, 80 page outline, uh, start to finish of uh, every conceivable thing. Um, at any rate, I don't know, you know, I don't know what your, your actual process was, but you know, mine was sticky notes. I don't know. What, what, how did you, what, how did you compose your, uh, your chapters and your topics? Um, I like to think on paper. So outlining on paper. And by the way, I did have a whole bunch of sticky notes on stuff, but they were more for, well, actually, I'll tell you some secrets. I had people's names on my wall, like, as I was thinking about them, I'm like, hey, what would Barb think? What would this, you know, like, I literally had them up there. I was thinking about them. They were always like, through my mind, am I talking to them? But then I also had like sticky notes of stuff I didn't want to forget. But it was pretty much on this book because of my prior working through it. It was handwriting the outline and then writing from end to end. Though. I would rough out chapters like this chunk of idea, this chunk, just, 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 and then I would go through and write it. And I do have to say, for me, um, my ultra marathoning and mountaineering experiences helped me tremendously because I would sit there until I got done what I wanted to get done. Like this day doesn't end until there's 2,500 words. So keep at it. I don't care if it's two. I don't care if it's four. I don't care if it's, you know, whatever it is. So, um, yeah. So once I had it roughed out, then I would just push through it. Huh? Well, Chris, Chris takes a cup of coffee because he's pushing through it. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's tea. Yeah. It's Sorry, tea. tea. That's yeah. a big difference. I've, um, I've got questions about content, but I, you know, I know we're, we were sort of talking about process and, and things like that. I don't break, pause, somebody go. <laughs> I was, um, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, the, what you said about the advice for people you know, thinking about writing a book, because it's something I've been mulling over for a while. And I think you're right, like the practice of kind of writing, I think, because you go from being a practitioner to then it's very different, like doing your job to then describing it and writing it is a very different thing. And writing for, for you know, for, for, for other people to kind of consume is also different. I think a lot of people write because they have to, they have to write for their job, whatever, but it's it's very uh, transactional or it's very specific to that purpose. It's very different. I think there's, there's different levels of writing, right? And I think almost for me, I don't feel like until fairly recently, I felt like I could do it because you have, like Chris said, you have to build that muscle, don't you? And it was really interesting hearing you say, you know, do a bit of this, do a bit of that because it kind of gets you practiced. And I, I, I think you're right. I think... Um, yeah, I'm only in a position now where I'm contemplating it because I suppose I've done some of these things with you guys. I've done quite a few blogs and things. And it's interesting, isn't it? Like this kind of journey you can go on, going back to the consultant, the cats on the ground. This, 
this journey I think you can go on from being a practitioner or being a really good consultant to then like being a, I hate the phrase, but thought leader, kind of it's this journey of kind of just abstracting what you're doing um, and thinking about how you describe it in a way that appeals to others is, is really challenging. Because I think a lot of people are just like in the weeds, aren't they? So I really like how you've written about this in a way that's very accessible, like you say, from the different people that might want to look at this, this sort of uh, discipline of business architecture and strategy to, to kind of execution. So, um, yeah, no, I just wanted to kind of say I, 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 I totally agree with that. But what's, um, what's your hopes and dreams for the book? What do you, what do you hope uh, it makes happen and unlocks for people? Oh, I love that question. Um, two sides. I hope that it builds demand and understanding for this discipline and a more comprehensive, connected way to do strategy to execution. And then I hope on the other side, it helps to build the supply, the the the, the ability for organizations to have business architecture practitioners and teams that are effective and ready to rise to that challenge. And it's both sides because I feel this coming. Um, you know, these ideas are getting more and more traction. So it also feels like when they catch really big, they're going to catch fast and people are going to be asking for this. So I hope this is a great accelerator to get us ready to rise to those challenges. And it's to everything you said, Oliver. It's not just to, you know, how do we do transformation and strategy execution and IT alignment? How do we actually now use this for a better world too? And I also hope that it makes its way into academics. It's in the beginning of it. A little bit. Um, we've seen one university adopt it as of today, awesome. but that's my hope as well. That um, some universities, even if it's optional reading, will start to you know put it on the list, get it in there, get it in the conversation, get it in business school. Yeah, yeah. You're muted, Phil. Yeah, Phil. Somehow you're muted. That's the best, really. That's, I'm at my very best when you can't hear me. So. Uh, <laughs> The um, a, a fun thing, and I was kind of curious if you noticed it yet or played with it. I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts were be. Um, you know, the book came out. I got it very early, and I got it on the Kindle. And one of the things I love about having these Kindle editions of the books is you can see what sections other people are highlighting. And I'm wondering if you're surprised by any of the sentences that you've seen highlighted. I mean, some of them I link, I looked, they looked to me like that's an anchoring statement. And that was great. She wrote that as a great sentence and she knew what it was. But there's some that are like buried down in a paragraph. I'm saying, I wonder if that comes as a surprise that people love that sentence. I haven't seen that, but I'm going to go after this call and look at it. That is brilliant. I forgot it does that. I would love to see what resonates. The only thing I've seen are, um, as I will talk through the book with somebody, if they have like a remarkable, like they have it annotated so I can see what they're highlighting and I can see where they're writing questions. But uh, Phil, I will do that. Is there anything you'd like to share that was notable to you or that surprised you? Well, again, for me, it's like you get in and you say, oh, what I loved about it, like when you're talking about categories or something like that, you know, we can think about a business in three parts, blah, blah, blah. And I was looking, it said, we catalog the elements, we attribute the elements, we create connections, right? And that there are people, you know, uh, right at this point, nine people have highlighted that section that I could see in the book. And I was thinking, 
I love this because this lets me know this is what they're struggling with. And it's like they needed some way to grant clarity in that space. And so they're grabbing this thing. I want to remember this. And so they're, you know, I, I'm a avid highlighter of books. I read my stuff on Kindle. I get this benefit from it because sometimes someone else is pointing out a sentence I need to pay attention to. And sometimes I'm the one It's like, no one has said this, but this is important. And I highlight it for my use, right? And then I like it because then I can go back to my Kindle app on my computer or whatever, and I can pull all my notes and look and say, well, this is the place I took notes in this book. But I just, when I was reading this, I was like, I love being able to see where other people are struggling and learn from them. And that's an advantage of the Kindle book. That is beautiful. I'm going to go look, right? And again, it's it's all about, to, to your point, where were people struggling or what resonated, resonated or, you know, what are the takeaways? Like, it just feels like it's a backdrop for conversation. And I always felt, even with the straight talk, I felt like this is not just about me. Like, this is about something bigger. I'm just sort of yeah. the steward of it, really. And I've always said, um, you know, for the business architecture community, especially, this book and everything I have ever done has been for you and because of you, right? And that's true. It's not for me, you know? I mean, it is, but yeah, not yeah. really. That's awesome, Phil. Right? Talking of it. talking of sections that, that one might highlight, uh, you, you'll know this, Wendy, because obviously I pinged you on, 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 on WhatsApp about this section. The piano reference. Where did that... I loved it. It was just so poetic. But where, where did that come from? Is that is Did someone play the piano in your house? What's, what's the deal there? I love it. Honestly, don't know where the piano came from, but it did come from inspired by what Chris was saying, which is... I, I inspired I mean, it, just so yeah. we're clear. I, Chris, <laughs> this piano playing has inspired me. No, but Chris, it's, it's just like you said, having tried to explain this so many times, and then you explain what business architecture is, and I, I just picture those faces like, what is it? A repository? It's a what? You know, like just all those blank stares or they were kind of excited when we were talking about why business architecture. And then we said what it is. And they're like, oh, that sounds really just, you know, it's a bunch yeah, of models. Yeah. Is, it, is it a tool? Can I buy it? You know, right. Exactly. So it was the I, and I don't know why I went to the piano, but it was inspired by something magnificent that gives us so much and so much, um, you know, joy and purpose. But if you just break it down to its, you know, requisite parts, it's like, is that all it is? Right. So it was from explaining this a lot of times that the piano came. I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you my, one of the things I had a sort of, I focused on two sections, but one of the things I highlighted, it's on page 108 for those following at home. Um, you quote Gartner, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I won't go into it, but it's basically around, you know, business needs this, business needs change, right? Um, because in business needs to adapt, business needs to change itself. And how do you do that unless you have sort of a structure, a process, a method? Otherwise, it's just willy-nilly. You know, it's it's Kodak responding to digitization by, you know, I don't know, basically not not doing anything very well, right? It's, they you, released they released a new film, if you'll recall. They released and that was film. also a disaster. I know, right? Um, and and I, so I I thought that that was really, you know, uh, and it surprised me because it's like literally halfway through the book, right? When it's like it seems like that should be page one, right? Like, why are we talking about this? Business needs change to survive and you've got to be able to structure it. Yeah. So if I was your editor, you know, next time. 
Totally. Got to do change well. Got to do change well. Exactly. Well, and I, I like that you pointed out that that Gartner quote right on the composable enterprise, because that is a fundamental that's a fundamental takeaway of this book. And these are the kind of ideas that I see resonate with startup founders as well as executives, which is how do I design with intent? Mm-hmm. How do I design with modularity? So when Gartner talks about that idea, it is business architecture and capabilities that make it real from the business perspective. And that's also what we were saying before is how we can design across organizational boundaries and ecosystems, right? What are the, the capabilities um, and value that we can exchange? So right on. Right the second on. bit of that, which I thought was interesting, because you have lots of great diagrams also, yeah. right? Um, and this is towards the end, and it's it's to follow on basically what you're saying, which is you know how do we do that, right? And 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 what I like about this is this is talking about building the internal um, business architecture practice, right, and sustaining it. What I like about it is you lay out very clearly. It, this is not just about setting it up, right? This is not just about like I'm going to set up a COE and then it's going to magically run itself and do all these wonderful things. You lay out exactly. No, you need to institutionalize these things, and you do that by doing, right? You use the the things that you're doing to do the work that you need to do. It's not just out there. It should be how you organize the work that you're doing, and that's how you build that culture, right? That does interesting. Exactly. Because this ultimately becomes about so much more than just the business architects. It's, you know, it's as we were saying before, other people as part of their roles, Um being able to use it for decisions or how we work together from end to end to get idea to action. Absolutely. And you know what, to, to your point um, earlier about, is this, is this sort of a philosophical or is this more of a playbook? That's a great example of where it's a playbook. Listen, this works. Don't, don't do the, we're going to build a bunch of blueprints and everyone's going to love it. I'm going to tell you that does not work. And if it does work for you, you're lucky, right? What does work is what you're saying is doing that value and, and, making the change as you go. I like where you took that right there for that moment, which was, you know, if we create, if these are the elements that we have, that is basically creates the language for everything that's going forward. And that's kind of what I feel like Wendy is doing, right? And the thing is, if you don't have the, these elements in place, we will never have this conversation because nobody realizes it's important. In, in summary, I think, as I said earlier, I think there's a number of different people find this book useful, but what I'm really, yeah, I'm really kind of keen to sort of, See where you see this going next. I know you referenced the the website. So, is there um, are there sort of plans to to do more with that, or is that just is that just the start, or is it just the sort of diagram place? So I'd love to know where you're kind of going to take this next. Oof, I love it. Um, so the diagrams you're referring to are um, there are diagrams and some like supporting resources for every single chapter, right? That people mm-hmm. can actually look to. Particularly if you think back to my original vision of the book, which was a picture book, right? So I only had a few diagrams and I am such a picture person to explain. So I wanted people to have access to that. You know, the next steps in my mind are... um, uh, and we'll we'll see where the magic goes beyond that. But it's it is back to the demand and supply side. It is having more and more conversations, which I already have, but more and more conversations at the executive level to talk about the ideas at the high level, strategy to execution, teams working together, uh, enterprise perspective on decision making. Chris, what you were bringing up with the composable enterprise, thinking about designing with intent, being able to react to change. Um, it's those conversations. And then it's also the in-depth conversations with 
teams um, around the world. They don't have to just be business architecture or architecture teams, but how do we actually um, how do we actually take action upon this book? I do have a program where people can go through it and kind of live the book, but that's it still needs the let's let's take let's have a series of conversations and really reflect on where we are with the book and how to move into action. Um, so it's really my sort of my dream on both sides just to help people take action, put yeah. it into practice. I've realized how unbelievably passionate I am about that. I, I don't just want to throw ideas out there. I want people to use them or not use them and just, you know, use them to succeed. Yeah. Um, and, and make change, right. And, and make, make change. change. Right? And make change. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for uh, joining us. You were, you were going to be here anyway. So um, thank you so much about talking about this topic. Um, everyone should go out and get this. It's strategy to reality. By Wendy Keynes on Amazon, Kindle, uh, this uh, nice matte finish on the on the soft cover. It says I just noticed it says on the back the read time is 287 minutes. Um, so that's I don't know how they came up with that stat, but um, that's pretty good. So that's a decent, you know, and and you should highlight it as we've been talking about. I think there's a lot in here that people can actually use. So um, there it is. So thank Lovely. you again. Uh, thanks, Phil. Thanks, Oliver. Thank you, Wendy. I'm Chris Lockhart. We'll see everybody uh, next time. Thanks.